Financing for the Future in Africa and we also look at the September private sector performance across Africa from over 1,100 cities and 128 countries. Care Africa brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ritha Dong. In our last installment of the Africa Risk Reward Index, we look at the future of finance. The continent still has a long way to reach financial inclusion to the extent seen in more advanced economies. However, financial institutions from the regional economic powerhouses, South Africa, Egypt, Nigeria, Morocco and Kenya, are stepping in to help bridge access and inclusion divides. The distinction between access to telecommunication services and access to financial services is blurring. An absence of the infrastructure to replicate financial institutions of advanced economies has accelerated the adoption of mobile and digital banking services. Jacques Nell, head of macroeconomics at Oxford Economics Africa, in this episode talks about Africa's homegrown solutions. So we're looking at financial services and how they continue to expand in Africa and also why this is important. So we continue to see progress, you know, access to financial services acts as a catalyst for broader economic growth. So it's really important that this is happening. And in the article, we also uh, spend some time into unpacking uh, how African champions have been pushing this growth, uh, just where they're coming from, some expansion plans. But uh, the area we sort of do the deepest dive is how this expansion has taken on a uniquely African character. And that's due to the... uh, sort of the mingling between the expansion of telecoms and the expansion of financial services and the fact that we've sort of seen a blurring in the lines between these uh, different forms of access. Uh, This has been driven due to the lack of infrastructure in a lot of African markets. So uh, the sort of the need to sort of leverage technological developments to expand access to financial services and a lot of countries are taking advantage of that. Uh, so they're taking the opportunity to leapfrog traditional financial sector infrastructure. And because of this, we've seen uh, mobile banking making significant inroads in Africa. So, of course, you don't have to construct the ATM. And in a lot of cases, you don't even need a smartphone. You can just use what's called a feature phone uh, to access financial services. We've also seen that uh, West Africa has been leading the way with countries like Senegal, uh, Ghana, and Cote d'Ivoire really making progress on this. And it's also interesting to note that we've seen an inverse relationship between the maturity of a country's banking sector and that country's uptake of mobile money services. And again, this just shows uh, the, the opportunity to leapfrog traditional infrastructure To put some figures on this point, uh, if you look at the value of mobile money transactions in a country, uh, South Africa, which has the most developed uh, commercial banking sector on the continent, the value of mobile banking transactions is less than 1% of GDP there, while the corresponding figure for uh, Ghana and Senegal is well over 100% of GDP. It's also important to note that this hasn't just happened by chance or was inevitable. A lot of African countries, a lot of African financial institutions are putting a lot of investments into this, uh, into research into this, and a lot of fintech startups. Uh, last year, we saw investment in uh, startups exceed three billion US dollars for the first time ever, and more than half of that went into fintech. 
And a lot of these African institutions are on the forefront of sort of a ease of access innovations. Uh, you know, they're doing the research and benefiting from it. We've also seen some international players enter the market. Uh, most recently, MasterCard took a minority stake in the fintech division of MTN. So international players are also uh, showing notice. And then we end off with a look at the role of regulators. So uh, another reason why African markets have progressed so well uh, in the take-up and expansion of these services is that regulators have been broadly supportive uh, of, of, you know, to allow these companies to sort of do their thing, expand their services, and for people to start experimenting uh, with uptake. Uh, why have they been so supportive? It's just, just sort of, again, that recognition that if you go the old route, building traditional financial infrastructure, if you're able to, that's going to take a lot longer. And it's always so there's also, of course, the opportunity for these countries to then uh, sort of lead the way in these technolo technological developments, uh, which is, of course, a, a great area of interest for a lot of these investors. And but so, so going forward, these regulators will have to then find a balance between, on the one side, allowing innovation and seeing the benefits of financial inclusion. And then on the other side, uh, protecting consumers and preventing uh, sort of illicit, illicit activities from taking place, you know, uh, people taking advantage of uh, the lack of regulation, so to speak. Uh, and this is a difficult balance because you have to constantly sort of uh, reevaluate the situation as new innovations are implemented and taken up. And the risk uh, associated with this is just highlighted by Nigeria and South Africa earlier this year being put on the gray list by the Financial Action Task Force. And of the 26 countries on that gray list at the moment, 11 are from Africa. So governments will, of course, step up efforts to sort of monitor and regulate the sector without stifling innovation. Uh, but the process will be quite slow and uneven, give it limited capacity among regulators and sort of the demand on regulators, uh, their capacity to regulate a sector like this. Uh, so it's undoubtedly a broad spot. Uh, it's an exciting area to be in with a lot of potential, but investors will increasingly be under scrutiny and subject to variations in compliance and reporting requirements. And this will be an important uh, but very manageable risk that they will have to take into account going forward. Olu Damilare Adeshola talks about why Nigeria is playing catch-up in the mobile money space. Yes, uh, so Nigeria is currently playing catch-up within the mobile money space, primarily due to regulated delays. For decades, the local financial sector was dominated by the traditional financial institutions. So opening that door for a non-financial institution to potentially um, participate in the sector was opposed for a very long time. These entities were not registered with the CB, and so there was a lot of question about what it meant for regulation in terms of oversight and potential overlaps. The breakthrough came when money, mobile money, increasingly turned into a conversation about financial inclusion, where advocates were, were saying that the telecoms operators, for example, had deeper networks and capabilities to reach the remotest areas compared to traditional banks. From a numbers point of view, there are more people with mobile phones in Nigeria 
um, than there are people with bank accounts. So the mar market demand is, is definitely there and the rationale is also there. So over time, the CBN has created the regulatory framework. It now exists. Um, operators can get a license under the mobile money service guideline that was introduced in 2021. There's also the super agent regulation that allows mobile money operators um, under the telecoms um, sector to operate that was introduced in 2015. There's also the USSD regulation that was introduced in 2018. And so it will take some time, but mobile money is expected to grow and gain, gain traction over the coming years. Um, I saw a number that said it had grown about 128% within the last 12 months. So it would be interesting to see how this morphs. But neither mobile money nor financial inclusion has been singled out as a priority for for the president, um, Tinubu's administration. But we know that he's keen on expanding the country's credit penetration and access to credit is synonymous to financial inclusion in many ways. So um, within the financial sector, he's focused on restructuring the core operational models of, of the regulatory bodies such as CBN and SEC, um, we know everything that's been going on in CBN. They've now um, appointed a new CBN governor, and we expect them him to continue to roll out relevant um, regulatory amendments that can potentially unlock private sector financing through credit. In addition to this, we expect to see his administration embrace technology and move away from more traditional methods of banking. So, for example, looking. Um, with the appointment of local tech bro, and that's what uh, media is calling him, um, Dani, um as a minister of comms, um, it'll be interesting to see how much, um, whether it's you know the ENIR that was introduced long, long um, about two or three years ago, that was that never really um, took off. To see how you know the government revises some of those plans and really embraces um, the potential that financial technology has to boost financial inclusion in the country. And a quick look at the market. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. In Uganda, there was stable trading during Wednesday's session with the currency trading within the 3735-3745 trading levels throughout the session. Supply and demand activity was balanced. Overnight yields remained elevated at 10.55%. Money markets faced tight liquidity conditions. Bank of Uganda held a three-year and 20-year treasury bond auction on Wednesday, 4th of October, and yields cleared at 13.5 and 15.5% percent respectively. The Monetary Policy Committee meeting is scheduled for Thursday, the 5th of October, 2023. And a quick trip around Africa. The Stanbic Bank Uganda PMI increased to 52.9 in September of 2023, up from a six-month low of 51.6 in August and slightly above the series average of 52.6. New orders expanded for the 14th consecutive month, driven by stronger customer demand and effective marketing strategies. Also, output grew across all five broad sectors. Employment was up for the sixth straight month, with firms having hired more staff to handle rising orders and purchasing activity, as well as to deplete backlogs. Meanwhile, suppliers' delivery times lengthened amid reports of shortages of items, particularly food products, whereas inventories increased. On the cost side, input and output prices continue to rise, linked to higher costs for a range of goods and services, namely cement, food products, metal bars, construction material, fuel, and utilities, as well as staff costs. Finally, firms express strong optimism on the outlook for customer demand and output in the coming year. 
In Kenya, the PMI dipped to 47.8% in September from 50.6% in the previous month, indicating a moderate deterioration in the country's private sector amid intense cost pressures and a drop in customer demand. New orders and output fell strongly after marginal rises in August. In-depth sector analysis indicated a significant decrease in manufacturing output with services, wholesale and retail and construction also experiencing contractions. The exception was agriculture. At the same time, jobs and inventories were cut for the first time in seven months on the price front. Input inflation accelerated to the second highest on record, mainly attributed to currency weakness and higher fuel bills. Consequently, selling charges were raised sharply as firms look to pass costs to customers. Looking ahead, firms remain somewhat optimistic with optimism little changed from August's five-month high, albeit still weak in a historical context. In Ghana, the PMI fell to 50.5 in September 2023, down from a near two-year high of 51.9 in the prior month, indicating a slight and softer pace of improvement in the country's private sector. The rate of growth in output and new orders eased in September amid some signs of demand weakening. On a brighter note, employment and purchasing activity also increased, with the pace of job creation picking up from that seen in August. At the same time, suppliers' delivery times shortened markedly again amid reports that vendors had been able to speed up deliveries aided by prompt payments. Regarding price developments, inflationary pressures remained relatively muted. Finally, companies remained optimistic that output will increase over the coming year with positive sentiment supported by hopes for an improvement in economic conditions. In Zambia, PMI fell for the fourth consecutive month to 48.1 in September of 2023, down from 49.2 in the prior month. It marked the second consecutive month of contraction in the country's private sector and the most pronounced and the most pronounced in six months amid mounting inflationary pressures. New orders were down for a second month running and at a solid pace, which was accompanied by a similar fall in output. Purchasing activity also decreased more positively. Farms continued to expand staffing levels for the fourth month running. On the price front, Overall, input cost inflation quickened, driven by higher purchase costs due to combination of exchange rate weakness and rising fuel prices. Companies increased their own selling prices accordingly. Output charges rose for the ninth month running and at the fastest pace since April. Lastly, farms remained optimistic that business activity will rise over the coming year amid expectations that economic conditions will improve. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of The K Financial. If you have suggestions or you just want to check out stories, visit the website. That is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial and you can find me at Withadong. Oh, 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 oh